You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm Eleanor Rust, Marketing Director at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music technology. This week, I have a dispatch on music rights in the metaverse from the 2022 Music Tectonics Conference. Michael Huppy is president and CEO of SoundExchange, the premier music tech organization on a mission to power the future of music and a music tectonic supernova. Michael works to champion music creators in the continually evolving music industry landscape. At the conference, Michael explored the next front line of this fight in a fireside chat with Ali Garfinkel, senior tech reporter at Yahoo Finance. Now you get to listen in. So first things first, let's just start, you know, high level, Sound Exchange's role in the music industry right now, today. What is it? Sure. So Sound Exchange, for those of you who don't know, and actually even if you do, we're sort of we're a company that sits in the center of technology and music and data. And we do a lot of things to help make the uh, digital streaming world work a lot better in the back end. So for instance, a big part of what we do is we uh, collect uh, streaming royalties from about 4,000 services. They pay us the money for the recordings and we pay it out to over 600,000 uh, artists and studio producers and record labels. Basically, if you are commercially active in the streaming world, you get a check from Sound Exchange. We pay out over a billion dollars a year and 90% uh, of that money is out the door within 45 days of receipt. I challenge you to find another group like us in the planet that does it that quickly. Um, so that's the big part of what we do. We do other things. We've actually, we're in music publishing now. We bought a publishing company in Canada. We do other back office work, data integrity work with, with uh, people in the industry. So we're, think of us as a music tech company that, that has lots of branches out. So talk to me, we're here to talk about the metaverse in case anyone was wondering. Um, and broadly speaking, how is SoundExchange thinking about the metaverse? Let's start there, because the metaverse is a big topic, right? right? The metaverse, I mean, it's incredibly important to creators, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's here now and it's absolutely coming. We're, we're interested in the metaverse because artists and creators are interested in the metaverse. And um, there's so much opportunity, which we can get into, I'm sure, in a minute, but there's so much opportunity for creators to do so many things. But if you think about it, it's not as if all of the payment mechanisms are just gonna disappear tomorrow. The metaverse could come to full blossom tomorrow and there could be nothing else going on. You're still going to have those 600, 700,000, a million, you know, like I said, artists and labels and everybody else in the industry who they're still gonna need to get paid. They're still gonna need to be the flow of commerce. There's still gonna need to be ways to track usage and figure out who owns what. Um, which we haven't done such a good job at as an industry, you know, until recently. So we think that the role we play today in Web 2, um, a lot of that carries over and can be very useful to the entire community uh, in the next version. And I'd actually love to talk just a little bit about the role you play in Web 2 right now, and then we'll kind of spin that out into the metaverse. So what is that role right now? How do you feel like Web 2 is treating music rights? It's a great question. How is Web2 treating music rights? I would say this, it's a lot better now than it used to be 20 years ago, right? If you think about the history of our industry in Web2, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty rough couple decades, right? Um, you know, Web2 sort of was created or was, was developed 
without creators in mind. Creators, music, a lot of people in this room and, and who you work for, they drive a lot of what's happening in the, in the internet today. Um, but they don't participate the way that they should. Uh, and that's because there's so many questions about like legal questions and policy questions. It's been two decades of lawsuits and quarrels and legislation and you know PR fights because uh, I think the current platforms weren't really created or weren't really developed with creators in mind. So, um, so like I said, it's better than it was 20 years ago. I think things are working a little bit better, but we're, we're not where we need to be. In fact, a, a lot of you, I'm sure if not everybody, you all know there was this big piece of legislation passed in 2018 that we supported and kind of the whole industry supported called the Music Modernization Act. And I joke that it, it really should be called the Music Almost Modernization Act because there's still a whole lot that, that we don't do for creators that we should be doing even as we sit here today. Well, and to bring it to the metaverse, right, what do you feel like you guys are doing for creators right now as they start exploring the metaverse? Well, one thing we're doing is making them aware of what's out there. We're trying to have a voice in the space. I mean, um, you've heard on a lot of panels here so far this week that we don't really know what the metaverse is. It's hard to define the metaverse. I think one person said we're sort of making it up as we go along. And so it's hard. I can't sit here and tell you what the metaverse is right now. Um, but one thing that we think a role we could play is we sort of sit, uh, we're, we're we're a trusted resource in the industry. We represent kind of all of the industry, right? We're, we work with record labels and artists and producers and background musicians and vocalists and music publishers up in Canada. And we play a role to help bring order to our corner of the current market. And if we could bring some of that order and the ability to have things work well on the back end, if we could bring that to the metaverse, that would be good for everybody. It's funny, I, um, when I started covering tech, I had a lot of, I asked a lot of people, can you define a metaverse? And a lot of the time, either it would be an insanely long explanation, or it would be, we can't define that. Um, which for you guys is really interesting because it's this kind of evolving thing. How do you feel about kind of approaching it from that, from the perspective of the fact that it's something that's always changing and that it's not defined yet? I think it's fascinating. We, change is progress, right? Um, disruption is progress. Uh, uh, if you're if you're not you know progressing, you're just staying static. And in today's world, if you're staying static, you're just you're just falling behind. So um, there's so many opportunities in the metaverse for creators. It's it's such a fascinating platform with so much potential. Like for instance, the ability to have deep connections. You know, if you're an artist, the metaverse can allow you to connect to your uh, your fans and your fan base in totally different ways. In some ways, the metaverse. Like, it's going to be huge, but I also think it's going to be a lot narrower and deeper. So, for instance, think about a lot of the services today. They want to get 70 or 80 million tracks. That's a licensing nightmare to, you know, to have a streaming service with 80 million tracks. But then that's what you get. You get the audio file and you get um, liner notes and maybe some lyrics. The metaverse, maybe you don't need 70 million because you're interested in five or ten acts and you go to the neighborhoods or the communities or the platforms where they are. And you go a lot deeper with them because it's not just about the audio file, but now it, or, or the lyrics. But now it's about, you know, the virtual merch, or it's about um, a virtual meet and greet, or maybe you know we could get to a point where fans help create the music. There's some really cool things out there. There's a company called Chaos. Has anybody heard of Chaos? That's like I haven't heard of Chaos. It's like crowdsourced, real-time crowdsourced music. It's a fascinating concept. Huh. Um, 
So these are the things, these are cool things happening in the metaverse, and, you know, artists should, should be aware of this. You know, another thing, by the way, not that you asked, but, you know, another thing about the metaverse is there's going to be all these new rights we have to think about, things we haven't even thought of, but even the rights we have now are going to grow. The pie is going to grow. Here's an example. In real life, IRL, right now, if you all listen to FM radio, you may or may not know the songwriters get paid as they should, but the performing artists don't. That can be a whole other panel that we'll talk about. It's legislation that we're sponsoring called the American Music Fairness Act. But, you know, when you hear FM radio, um, the, the performer and the record label get no compensation for the $10 billion that radio makes. In the metaverse, that's not actually an analog transmission. That's a digital transmission. Boom. That is now a compensable activity, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of examples like that where things that are not payable now in real life when you take them to the metaverse, all of a sudden the pie will grow. Well, it sounds like you know you're a, you're a lawyer. You've written a textbook on music. I'm law. a recovering recovering, recovering lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's also the only textbook on music law. No, no, I, I don't. It's one of them. I don't know about that. I don't think um, it's the only textbook on music law. The only law, one, <laughs> guys. Um, but you know, talk to me about how you're approaching the legal side of this. It sounds like you think there's a lot of opportunity for rights to really evolve. There are, you know, um, property rights are an interesting thing, not to wax poetic, but, you know, intellectual property rights are fairly new in the history of mankind. You know, when you think about property, mm -hmm. 500 years ago, it was mm -hmm. about dirt, right? Dirt and fences, and, or, sorry, 5,000 years ago, it was about 2,000 years ago, maybe about dirt and fences. And then, yeah, then it became sheep and horses and swords and maybe a hut. And so intellectual property is fairly new uh, as a concept in our history as a, as a community. And it's a fascinating thing because it basically is this thing you can't touch, you, it's intangible, it doesn't really exist you know, in a way you can hold, but, but the law says we're gonna give it a property value because we believe it's important to spur innovation and research and creativity. That's why we have intellectual property. So it's, it's fairly new, but in the metaverse, it's all intellectual property. It's all digital. It, none of it is dirt or a horse or a sword, right? So, um, so getting the IP rules right as we go into the metaverse is very, very important. And things don't translate. Everyone thinks, well, sorry, not everyone. Some people think, well, you just take the laws in IRL and you take them over to the metaverse. I'm not so sure that's, that's true, right? If my, if my avatar goes and slaps your avatar, is it really an assault? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Um, do you have territorial rights in the metaverse the way you do in countries, you know, in the real world? I don't know. And we all have to, there's going to be uses in the metaverse for music and other creative things that we don't have a, 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 a way to describe right now. A frame of reference. A frame of reference, right. There's, there's things, I mean, that happened in Web 2, right? In Web yeah. 2, you had debates over, like, 50 years ago, there was no debate on what's a copy. We all know what a copy is. You either photocopy a piece of, you know, a, a song, a, a, a piece of, um, you know, tablature, or you, yeah. or you duplicate a vinyl. Mm -hmm. Well, in Web 2, what a what's a copy wasn't so clear because, well, is, is the little bits of buffer that happens when you're buffering a song, and if you string them all together, even though they're not really together at the same time, does that constitute a copy? And by the way, if that's a copy, then I gotta pay for a mechanical right. If it's not a copy, I don't have to. I mean, these are the types of things that happen in the metaverse. It's gonna be 10 times that in the metaverse because uh, we can't even begin to think of some of the uses, and there are gonna be round pegs that don't fit in any of the square holes that we have. Well, so, so legally, we need to think about how to carve up the rights and make sure they're taken care of. 
Yeah, kind of to that end, it seems like the thing I've sort of heard from a lot of people is that you know the industry was woefully unprepared, legally speaking, for Web 2. So what does it actually mean? You've kind of gotten at it a little bit, but what does it actually mean for the industry to be ready for the metaverse and Web 3? Well, I think what we need to do is be part of the discussion, not just sound exchange. I mean, we'd li I'd like to think what we have to bring is uniquely positioned to bring certain things to the metaverse, but I think that the metaverse as it expands can't be just about the platforms. They're very important, you know, God bless the platforms and the new ways for people um, to, to experience creativity, but there needs to be a discussion and uh, the creative side that drives a lot of the progress. You know, when you think about it, it's not just music, but all sorts of music and games and movies and shorts, uh, video shorts, those, that drives progress, it drives subscription rates, um, it's what make a lot, makes a lot of these platforms grow, and you need to have that part of the community in the discussion so that you don't, we don't have another 20 years in the middle of Web3 fighting like we did the past 20 years over you know, what constitutes a copy and who should get paid for what stream. And kind of talk to me about you know legal hurdles, right? That you're kind of anticipating, whether it comes to when it comes to generating revenue streams for artists or IP issues. Right. So, um, good question. You know, one one hurdle that will always be there, and, and it's partly legal. I'll say it's partly data, but it's pretty hard to make commerce flow well if the right people don't get compensated. Right. So. Um, there needs to be technology and laws and, and data so that whoever creates whatever it is, you know, whether it's music or a, a short or, you know, some other 3D thing I can't even think of right now, there needs to be an ability to make sure creators are compensated, which is a huge part of what, I mean, I, when you ask what Sound Exchange is about, I talked about all we do to help make the back end work better, but we also advocate for creators nonstop. It's very important for us that creators uh, are treated fairly and paid appropriately. So, so that's one thing that you need to do. You know, no, another legal slash operational thing is interoperability. Do you remember how? Do you remember how pissed you all were when you spent two thousand dollars on Apple downloads and then found out you couldn't <laughs> port them over to another platform? No. We can't have that. In <laughs> well, no. Okay, no. sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. Those of you who remember that, you know, we can't have that in the metaverse. There needs yeah. to be interoperability between the different communities. Uh, another thing that I think Sound Exchange could have a role in is helping to uh, make sure that transfer of IP assets of whatever kind, it doesn't have to be music, transfer of IP assets among different worlds and communities in the metaverse has to absolutely happen because you don't want, you know, a bunch of walled gardens where, uh, you, you know, you go to that walled garden and then you can't go to the, any of the other gardens in the, in the metaverse. You know, I kind of do want to take a step back a little bit because you know you mentioned walled garden, walled gardens. There, there are a lot of there's a distinction between metaverse and Web three. Um, I won't get into it here, but we're talking about metaverse mostly here. And you know, like I was curious specifically for you when you imagine metaverse, are you thinking VR? Are you thinking Roblox? Like, what 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 are you imagining? You know, when I think of metaverse, I think uh, of creators having more control. I think of you know a transaction based uh, network. So it's kind of all of it. I don't know what it's going to look like in seven years. And if anybody here does, let's talk afterwards. But it's going to be fascinating, whatever it is. And it's kind of all rolled in. You know, I don't know if this works for everybody in the audience, but I was trying to think, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were, I was talking about how the history of entertainment is a history of consolidation, right? Mm -hmm. Think about 
all the things you do on your phone right now, or actually that thing in your pocket that's a computer. We call it a phone. But as my daughter reminded me, oh, really? It's a phone? Do you have to launch particular software to make it turn into a phone? So it's really the phone app, she told me, <laughs> which nobody uses anymore that's in her actually, generation. That's actually kind of impressive. I, that she I, I asked that. her to pick up the phone. I'm paying for it. Can you pick it up? She says, Dad, nobody uses the phone app anymore. <laughs> anyway, so that computer you have in your. <laughs> we all call it a phone, but let's be honest. Sassy. It's a phone app. Um, think of all the things that you used to do in real life that's now collapsed onto that computer in your pocket. Uh, everything, shopping, you know, dating, emails, movies, you know, everything. And I kind of think of the metaverse as, okay, right now I'm holding the phone and all of my experiential learning and experiential enjoyment is collapsed into this. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And the metaverse is kind of like jumping into the phone. Mm -hmm. That's how I think about it. Like that. I mean, the the other thing about it too is it seems like creator buy-in has sort of started to really happen, and that's something you guys have watched. Um, Megan the Stallion, Foo Fighters. It's it's pretty. There's Snoop. Yes, Snoop. Yep. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty broad. Um, how important is that creator interest and creator innovation? Yeah, I mean, it's very important. In, in fact. Um, you know, if you think about how important is it for artists to buy in, I mean, artists are the ones creating a lot of this. Uh, and it is the future. It's coming for sure. Something is coming. Something's coming. And it's critical that they have buy-in because they're the ones who are going to benefit the most from all that we've talked about. You know, it's not just more community, getting closer with your fans, new products and services, right? It's not just virtual merch, which a lot of, you know, that's, uh, if you think about Roblox and some of the other current platforms, a lot of the commerce is around virtual merch and virtual goods, but there's a lot of other things as well coming up, virtual real estate. I mean, imagine, you know, hey, I want to buy a piece of land that's on the same block as this artist I've loved for, you know, for 20 years. So there's so much potential for them to not only make more revenue, which is important because it is a business after all, but to just connect with their fans in a way you just can't do right now. So. Um, it's critical that, that they buy in. Well, it seems like you, you're really convinced that there's, this is going to actually change the connection artists and fans have. Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. What exactly, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's, do you, is your sense that artists want that connection? Is your sense that fans want that connection? Is your sense that it creates a, creates a bridge where there wasn't one before? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there is not a bridge now, mm -hmm. but it, it, it creates just a different type of bridge, yeah. maybe a wider bridge and a stronger yeah. bridge. Yeah. And, I mean, artists want it, and fans really want it. And fans actually, <clears throat> again, in, um, in the metaverse, I think fans have the ability to have a lot more input and a lot more control. You know, one, one, another interesting thing about sort of Web 2, if you think about the music industry 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was very top-down, right? Um, what people listen to, you know, you, you have record labels and publishers, and they're the ones that had the pressing plants and the connections with radio and the deals with Tower Records, and, you know, that's how sort of that, for a large part, that's how, got, that's how we de determined what got put on radio. And the current world we live in is much more bottom-up. It's really looking at what's happening at the grassroots level. Um, it's almost like the stock market. You know, if, if, you're, if you're in the stock trade, you want to watch what's happening at the root level, and the secret sauce is to find what's going to spike in the market and see it before anybody else does. That's kind of how the stock market works. 
or if that's how a lot of lot of people want it to work. And that's I, it's music, the dream. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the aspiration. Music is kind of that way too now. Mm. You know, now it's much more bottom up. People are looking at what happens on social and looking at what's happening in Pitchfork and you know looking at, at some of these other platforms. And the the fans are having a bigger influence now on mm. what spikes than they did 50 years ago. And in the metaverse, that's going to like take off. I think fans are going to have even more input on helping an artist and helping platforms guide what's going to take off. The thing I think I'm I'm sort of wondering is that for artists, right, independent artists, right, how do they approach the metaverse? Because you know, if you're if you're making the stallion, right, you have a different kind of set of resources. But if for an artist who's maybe not quite as established, I imagine you have a different set of challenges that you have to navigate. Yeah, I mean, well, the beauty of the metaverse is it gives artists more control. You know, there, again, even today, there are more DIY things that artists can do to connect with their fans. You, you know, you don't need a record label anymore to to push out a CD. You don't need a record label to market. I, I want to be clear: record labels still have a purpose in our in our industry. You know, they they've adapted just like we all have, and they have a very real purpose. But if you were so inclined and you wanted to go your own way. Um, you know, we have relationships with some up-and-coming artists who TikTok, they exploded on TikTok, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden now they're a recording artist and still own their own rights. And so the metaverse gives artists more control. It, allow, it has lower barriers to entry that they can do. And like I said, they're not pigeonholed into, well, now I have to go do this radio tour, and then I have to go do this for, you know, to, to hawk my CD, and then I must do this type of tour schedule in order to drive radio in these markets. Mm -hmm. They don't have to do that now. They can think of really, really the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. Well, the metaverse is the limit, really. The metaverse is the limit. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't heard that one before, yeah. but yeah, I, I probably like won't. It. You do? I don't think anyone yeah, will like, ever repeat like it again. It. But okay. Um, <laughs> So, but that does actually also kind of get to the opportunity we were talking about, right? You know, there is, there is this, there's, it is not possible to be in London and Brazil in the same day, I don't think. Um, but in the metaverse, if you're doing metaverse concerts, if you maybe don't have the funds to tour, that option all of a sudden exists. Yeah, it's great. Well, first off, every individual concert can be different, yeah. meaning... Maybe I experience a metaverse concert or concert in the metaverse, and not you know you, I have 14 different um, angles that I can view the concert from. Although there's actually companies that do that in real life now too. Yeah, there's a couple companies that are trying to allow people sitting in physical venues to have views from different areas. But but yes, you could um, you could uh, you could have the actual concert experience be different, and yeah, you can have a concert in London this morning and a concert in Brazil you know tomorrow or this afternoon, and to parts of this world, that is mm -hmm. what a concert is, mm -hmm. right? I have a friend of mine who has a 12-year-old niece, or 10-year-old niece, and he was telling her, man, I can't wait until, um, can't wait to take it to your first concert, talked about how great it was, was telling her about his first concert, blah, 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 and she said, what do you mean? I've, I've been to a concert, and he said, well, you have? And she saw, you know, I don't know, it was either on Fortnite or Roblox, um, she had seen her a concert, and to her, to her, that was her first concert. And to all of her friends, and whatever generation that is, I don't know if it's Generation Z or Generation Alpha or whatever comes next, but to that demographic, that is a concert. And if you think about it, who are we to say that's any less legitimate of a experiential you know, um, concert than, than, than what I'm used to as a concert? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, 
that's that's coming, and the whole waves of people are going to be very relate relate very much to that type of entertainment. Well, it's a I'm a tech reporter, right? Um, so that means I spend a shocking amount of time trying to figure out what teenagers like, um, and. You know, the thing I've actually heard over and over again is, you know, like if, I, like if I'm sitting across from a 12-year-old, they'll be like, do you cover Roblox? And I go, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do it. Um, that, that, like, that level of investment from a younger generation is pretty, very, is very clear. Is, and is, is, does that, is that important from your perspective as well? Yeah, I mean, the younger demographic has always been important to the music industry, obviously. Um, which is interesting when you think about it, because there's a lot more disposable income higher up. But... Um, uh, very important, and uh, and when you're an artist, not only can you do that concert in London in the morning and Brazil in the afternoon, but um, you know there's just a whole a whole bunch of efficiencies that come along. You know, there's not 18 semi semis going from city to city. Better for the environment, by the way, and you can reach people who otherwise wouldn't be able to get to a venue. You know, a lot of this country and a lot of other countries don't live as close to a venue as people in L.A. or New York or wherever. Um, so you, you broaden your footprint as well. I mean, one of the things about IP, right, is that it has expanded so massively in the last 20 years. And it seems like you think that, you know, the metaverse is set up to expand it even more. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you're thinking about, you know, managing that, that expansion, right? It's a, lot to, it's a lot to track. It is a lot to track, um, and that's, that's sort of what Sound Exchange does, right? Mm -hmm. We... There are other entities in the world who do what we do, but no one does it at the scale that, it's a, the scale that we do. Mm -hmm. To give you a sense, I already told you we collect from 4,000 services every month. Uh, imagine the, the, the data that that means. You know, we get data from all of them. The data is not always great. We have conflicting data. Then on the other hand, we have ownership you know, conflicts between who owns this recording or who played on that recording. So we already operate at a, at a very large scale compared to mm -hmm. other companies like us around the world. So to give you a sense, we process 35 billion performances a month, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is not nothing. And uh, Well, it sounds like a lot of data to be It's managing. a lot of data. For, we are, for anybody. We are as much a data shop as anything. Like mm -hmm. I said, we're a data shop, a tech shop, a music mm -hmm. shop. And the metaverse is only going to scale more, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to scale more because, the you know, there, there are a lot more... Uh, ways for people to get into the metaverse. So I think mm -hmm. the creators, the number of mm -hmm. folks who who make music is going to expand right now. So today, mm -hmm. YouTube and TikTok and Triller, you know, those have all created artists and musical creators that you wouldn't have thought of before, right? There's people who really just started doing stuff on TikTok and all of a sudden they turned, in, turned into a musician. And the metaverse will, again, will do that, you know, times 10. Mm -hmm. So what's important for Sound Exchange, we believe we have a good position where because we're built to scale, because we're digital natives, we were born into the digital world to do exactly what it is that we do, and we do it on behalf of basically the entire music industry. We have representatives on our board from every aspect of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, that We think that makes us well-placed to move into the metaverse and help bring some order to the metaverse in a way we've done the, today's music market. Out of curiosity, do you feel like the music industry at large is thinking about the metaverse right now? I think they are. You know, um, I think they, like you and me and a lot of people here, they're trying to figure out what that means. But if you talk to, uh, you know, record labels or artist management groups or marketing people, a lot of, a lot of the promotional folks out there, 
they are definitely, I think, salivating at the potential of what the metaverse can be. But, but with the caveat that nobody knows exactly what that'll be in, in 10 years. Well, it's interesting. It's in, it's in buzzword territory right now, right? Like everyone knows the word, but they don't necessarily know what it means or what it looks like or can, in some cases, even visualize it, um, which creates challenges. But it also sounds like for you guys, you guys wanted to be early movers there. Absolutely. So I cover, I cover a lot of tech companies, right? And there's a lot of metaverse companies, companies we associate with the metaverse are in some way or another disorganized, shall we say, right? I won't, get, I won't take you all down this rabbit hole, but Meta's not exactly having the greatest time right now in the public markets. Uh, Roblox hasn't either. You know, if the Fortnite developer Epic Games has you know, been really associated with all kinds of lawsuits, kind of controversy. So the, none of them are exactly, I can't imagine they're thinking about music rights right now. I don't think it's the top priority for them, candidly. So for you guys at SoundExchange, how do you help kind of draw some of those lines, help kind of influence that conversation, make sure it's happening at companies, make sure it's happening across the board? Well, part of it is, you know, by doing things like this, and you're absolutely right, by the way, um, they're probably not thinking about music rights, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be thinking about music rights. I'll just say again, you know, plug for music. Music is, drives so much innovation, so much growth. It is a big part of all these platforms. It makes even non-music platforms stickier, right? You're going to stay on a website longer if there's music. You're going to be engaged in a game if there's longer if there's music. So music, you know, life without music is is uh, there's a not a about life. This, isn't yes, there? <laughs> yeah. I think it's Nietzsche though, which is uh, you know. Oh no. Um, so uh, so part of they should be thinking about it. You're right that they may not be, and we're, our hope is that as we move into this next phase of this, this interconnected world that we live in, that they are thinking about creators uh, when, when they're thinking about the next platform. So part of what we do is, you know, we, we have a business development group who's out there making connections, trying to um, talk about where is this all going. Uh, we obviously uh, are out there in a lot of conferences like this trying to um, talk about our thoughts on how do we make this a, a better launch than Web 2 was. Which does get at one of the other things I wanted to ask about, the advocacy work SoundExchange mm -hmm. does. Um, you've, you guys supported the Music Modernization Act. We did. Um, and you've said more work still needs to be done. What kind of role does the metaverse sort of play within that work? Well, um, the metaverse, you know, a lot of the things that I would say are flaws in the current system should be fixed in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So the, the, as I mentioned, the, the, our main legislative effort right now is a bill called the American Music Fairness Act. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, FM radio doesn't pay for the recording artist, like I mentioned, they pay yeah. for the songwriter. And here's the fascinating thing, that exact same programming, so if you're listening to DC 101 or whatever mm -hmm. it may be, uh, you know, or, or Hot 100, you're listening on the FM button on your dashboard in your car, and the artist does not get paid. You switch a button and get it over an internet stream, right, TCP, IP, and all of a sudden, the creator gets paid. The exact same programming. It makes no sense as a policy matter. And we are alone in the industrialized world in doing that to artists, you know? Uh, so things like that need to be fixed in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. We can't continue to have inequalities just propagate when we have the chance to maybe fix it out of the gate. Well, there's, um, there's something very optimistic, I think, about your take on the metaverse in a way where it's, you know, the thing that you're saying is it really is an opportunity to fix things in the system that haven't gotten fixed before. I certainly hope so. That's, that's the goal anyway. Now, it's, a big, it's a big thing, by the way. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I don't say that lightly. Mm -hmm. um, making, uh, you know, something this revolutionary and this big launch in a way that accounts for all these things is a, is a tall order, but uh, that's all the more reason we need to do it. So now we're kind of coming up towards the end. I want to talk to you a little bit about how you and Sound Exchange see the future of the music industry. Bird's eye view, what does that look like? So uh, in the next five years, what, what are you thinking? Okay, so like I used to ask next five years and then the pandemic happened and nobody could think past the next five weeks. Um, next two years, next 10 years, what, what feels like an appropriate time horizon? Let's do eight. You want to do eight? Eight years. Okay, eight specifically, but not ten. Eight, but not okay, ten. Eight, ten is too. It's too normal, too ordinary. Yeah. Five. Eights, eight feels like a like a like a solid number in yeah. the middle. Yeah. Eight's okay. the new ten. So let's say eight years from now, it'll no. be. This is revealing. It'll be 2030. I just, you guys just watched me do math in real life. Um, don't tell anybody. Right. Um, you know what? 2030. What kind of do you expect the industry to look like? Wow. Okay. What do I look? <laughs> See, it could have been ten. I know. It could have been ten. <laughs> I should have done two. Uh, Twenty thirty. Um, look, there still will be some remnants of the current music industry. There's still people buying eight tracks, right? There's still people buying cassettes. So, a lot of people in this room, I'm guessing, are you know not still using eight tracks. Um, you know, a lot of us are hopefully on on services. Hopefully, services that pay the creator. Um, so it's not like the music industry is going to switch overnight. So I think in 2030, you'll still have um, remnants of the, of the current system. But they're going to be, uh, I think, very small parts of the industry. Even vinyl, which is having a resurgence by 2030. Who knows if it'll still be in a resurgence. Uh, I hope so. Another thing, you know, I think artists are going to um, be doing things on their own, not necessarily in conjunction. There, there, there are tools being created. Again, probably a lot of companies sitting in this room that are creating tools for artists to be able to do all sorts of things. And I don't just mean, you know, oh, how do I get more plays or how do I get up on the surfaces? Things like modeling and projections and data analytics and helping artists figure out, okay, you know, how do I better target, hyper-target the people that I need in different, in different uh, markets? So I think artists are going to be more empowered to do more things. You're still going to have record companies mm -hmm. because they have a role to play. It'll, they'll be, look very different mm -hmm. from today. They will probably be much more um, involved in a lot of this creative thinking and mm -hmm. you know, maybe more artists are maybe keeping their own rights and mm -hmm. record companies are going to be helping them with the other parts of the business. Um, so those, those are some of the things. I think the, I think the industry will continue to grow. It will be bigger than it is now, much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you already see trends in that and you see that in the marketplace. Look at the multiples that are being paid to purchase catalogs. So you have sophisticated investors looking at recordings and songs as an asset class now. And they're paying 20, 25, 30x multiples to buy these catalogs. That is the market telling us there's a bright future for music. That is the market saying, you know, people who've looked at this very closely and have money to invest are betting that they can make a return on 30x investment mm -hmm. because this industry is going to continue to grow. So those are some of the things I see in 2030. Um, but ultimately, I'll, I'll say it one more time, mm -hmm. the most important thing is in 2030 that the creators play a bigger role in the immense amount of wealth that's being created. I mean, there's immense wealth being created by these platforms. 
And they need, to, they need, you know, and God bless capitalism, and they should make a profit. You know, these platforms are great, but the creators are at the heart of it all, and we need to make sure they, they're just treated fairly. That's all that we ask. Just treat them fairly. So we are coming up on time. Um, okay. But before we go, we're going to play a quick game. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously? Yes, we're actually going to play a game. Okay. All right. Um, you know those like, Turn all your cameras off. Yes. You know those <laughs> word association things? I'm just going to say some words at you, and you're going to okay. tell me the first thing that comes to mind. So uh, let's say first word is metaverse. Opportunity. Sound exchange. Best. Best? That's pretty good. Honestly, that's good. That's, that's not... the first word that came to mind. <laughs> that's pretty on message. I got to hand it to you. <laughs> um, Sorry, you asked. Last one, music rights. Music rights? Music rights. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We're gonna get we're gonna get in the weeds here. Let's do it. Music, Music rights. Music rights? Fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. All right, thank you all. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.